Welcome to the Integral Being podcast, a podcast where we explore integrated wisdom in a complex and fragmented world. I'm your host, Gregor Steinmauer, therapist, group facilitator, working with individuals, groups, and executives on transformation and an integrated and trauma-informed approach to life. My conversation partner is David Lyon. David is a coach for self-employed creative professionals and has been helping me with my online presence for the last years. In addition to that, he has been an important sparring partner in the creation of various online trainings and inspiring conversations such as this podcast. In this episode, we explore the current crisis that has become a war now between Russia and Ukraine. And what we talk about is um, to highlight and understand more what are the instinctual survival mechanisms in us human beings when there is threat and danger, and also what is a possibility to really create something new to, as a response to such a situation, and how the former of creating and moving from survival mechanisms become actually the reenactment of stories that we already know, and what are practices that we can do as an individual, but also as a collective to bring forth new impulses that are coming more from the love and the care for the world to, to create um, a sustainable life for us as individuals and as collectives to find what is, what is really a new response is the question we were asking and exploring. So enjoy the episode, and I hope you can take some impulses from it. I've been really pondering about this uh, conflict that has flared up in Ukraine and Russia, like probably everybody, and felt quite touched and affected by it. And when I was letting it in in myself, I was kind of curious, so what kind of response do I find in myself? And as we already talked in a in a in another conversation, I think there is there is two layers. First, if there's something you can do that's very clear, then you have to do that. So, but I want to speak more about um, the response from people like you and me that don't feel that I are not actively engaged in the conflict, don't have stakes in there, and also maybe are not having like time and extra money resources where you feel like, wow, I could do a humanitarian effort or, or do something. So given that, that there is nothing concrete that you're bypassing by not doing this. Um, so what then is the response? Because it affects us all. And um, I do believe in the, in the creative power of everybody's consciousness. So our consciousness is always engaged and active in whatever situation that we're in. But most of the time we're not aware of that. And then we just think we have an individual response and then maybe it anyway doesn't matter what I do. But I don't think that's, that's fundamentally not true. And I think there is a, a lesson that we're still learning as humans and as humanity that it really, like everybody counts. And so that's why I want to speak a bit to the kind of like the inner mechanics um, that's happening individually, but also collectively. And what I found really, really interesting is that um, 
when this came up so everybody was also trying to understand so so what's going on what what is what is moving what is motivating putin or russia and it almost felt like a, a re enactment or like a just a, a repetition of an age-old archetypical story where people in power for a long time they have wise counselors and then maybe they're acting rational or like from the perspective of power in a rational way and and then there's often movements when they either get older uh, or more disconnected from reality and that sense is being created like nobody's reaching them anymore that things often get very dangerous at that time because there is no more um wise counseling voices or voices of temperance or reason of a different kind reaching them anymore i mean for example hitler was like a super crazy example of that where he was just like not listening to anything anymore than just his own madness in a way and of course it's not just an individual phenomenon that links into the collective and then can reinforce each other but just to look uh, just to see that this is is not something new in history this has been actually like even in the the roman times the greek times these were always like archetypical questions so what you do with the despotic tyrannical leader that suddenly is getting losing touch with reality altogether and people are well aware that this is a very dangerous moment because how do you counteract that without flaring like like heating up the conflict even more so it get really um it, it flares up like now the, the the worry is like this could be the 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 switch that initiates world war three and i think it's, it's not totally out of reality that this could happen and the other is then okay how if we don't want to be that kind of like uh, accelerating or like a force that will create an explosion of that kind still how do i make a stand here and how do i so now talk about economic sanctions how, what we can do that is not um, military interventions um and so I, I don't want to talk too much about the political dimensions. I think people, there's lots of people that have better qualifications to speak about that. Um, but just to, to situate that, because then what, what I found really interesting is to see this, this um, different camps in a way, uh, or reactions coming up in us humans individually and collectively where people either like get on guard now there is a threat in my neighborhood um this could be dangerous so we need to arm ourselves be aware be ready for war um and just be very on alert or maybe be ready actually to strike to take somebody out to do something that would kind of like remove the element that's dangerous and we're still talking about human beings here. It's interesting that we get into this technical, tactical terms. That's it's interesting to feel that. Um, as if that could be a surgical strike, and then you take out that human being or that element, and then the thing would calm down. 
or the vo the other voice that says like okay now um this is dangerous now like i heard a lot of people like starting to talk about how to prepare now especially in the west here in western europe about dependency uh, about russian gas and things like this so what do i need to prepare how do i need to prepare my home um that i'm safe for the next winter coming what do i need to stock up and so this kind of like preparation mode of protection and making sure i'm safe um which again is is, is just a very base and um well-known <laughs> survival impulse that comes up and as well as the one that says let's we need to do something so it's either the, the fight or the more flight and protection mechanism that's activated. And we both, and like kind of like let the thing be, let him move, uh, don't engage too much in the conflict. This would get too dangerous, but kind of like a bit more like on the being a bit more on the fence and wait. And I think that the two political forces are all a bit like moving also between these, these poles. And so what I what really came to me and what I'm really curious about and what I also explored with some people is for politicians, for nations, but for a normal citizen right now, like me or you or anybody listening, what is maybe something new that we don't know yet? Because if we believe in the evolution of life or consciousness, um, if we don't want to just repeat what we already knew or what we already know just with new figures and with new scenarios but basically the script that would that is, that is writing that that is kind of like creating the scenarios is same same it's thousands of years old violence how do you relate to violence do you become violent yourself um what trade-offs are you willing to take so the 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 movement between fighting or um, waiting and i'm really curious to see because in a way then we know how how history will unfold we already know and we don't know the details but it's kind of like it's this is not new at all and i'm curious what is it that we can be called to or even call in from ourselves that we don't know yet and I think this is a very, very powerful, but very subtle movement. And it's also very demanding and scary because it, it enters the territory of, I don't have an immediate answer. Maybe you do have, but, um, and it's, it's a bit like there's these two heavyweights in the ring that are enforced by thousands and maybe millennia of years of human evolution that come out of our protection mechanism and our survival instincts so they're always ready they're if danger comes up they're like i'm in the ring i know how i have this i handle this this is the way i do it so there are loud voices that will scream and they're screaming in the world right now and in a lot of people the first thing is already to recognize that within yourself is already a very powerful move because normally most of humanity lived these energies without being aware that this is running their lives because we rationalize and have very good arguments for what we then do so to take a step back and notice ah this is this is kicking in 
And again, I'm not talking about when you're being attacked right now in, in being living in Ukraine, but if you're in a relatively safe distance to the situation, but feeling it affects you. And so there is these heavyweights in the ring, but what is it that could come into the ring or into the scenario that you don't know that is a kind of a different response to the situation, not just a reaction that we already know, but is, what is an authentic answer to this situation right now? And I think that's the only hope we have in a way, because otherwise we will repeat what we already know, maybe with some different spin because it's a different century, but not a fundamental shift. It's like in a relationship where you feel like you just, or in your life, you're just repeating things, the situations change, but it's not really a real transformation of, of the outcome. And we all probably also know all the moments when suddenly someone, you're in a fight, suddenly someone responds different. It takes you out of that script. And I think this is super powerful, powerful for oneself, but also for the larger sphere. If you don't act as a strategy, and there's a lot of strategy involved, is running on the idea that I know how you or somebody else will respond and react. And kind of disrupting that is very powerful because then I need a moment to to think, to orient, to respond, to, to see, to breathe, to like, ah, it's not a, not going according to plan and like, he will do this or this or this or this. And I have an answer to all these situations already. And so I've, I've also in a, with some people I've been exploring that. And then somebody said, for example, oh, I had this very, like a, a small, subtle, quiet voice coming up in me maybe i should call a circle of people together and just do a sharing about uh how this is affecting us but then immediately the voice came yeah but what's the use of that like will that change anything in any way and so suddenly the, the heavyweights are like what are you doing here in the room you have nothing to to um you're not contributing anything and I, I would like to really be like inviting this in myself and in everybody and in all of us to listen to the voices that are a bit more quiet because these voices of change, they're not screaming voices normally. They're more quiet, but they're very powerful because something else can birth from that moment. And that's why it's so important to listen to authentic impulses that I have in this moment and not thinking what my impulse will do for the world. Will this have an effect on the situation? You don't know. And you actually, we, we cannot know. And I think that's, uh, that's so important that we often kill impulses by the expected outcome, what that will do or not do. The world, like as if that, if there is a linear thread from what I do, this will A will affect B and then C and then it will lead to D, which is what I want or not want. And to kind of let that be in the bit in the realm or in the hands of God or the unknown or the 
divine orchestration or the mystery of life, how you want to call it, because we don't know. But to respect the responsibility, we have to listen in ourselves to, to places that, that have an authentic feel and, and movement to it. And then trust or don't trust, <laughs> but just be with it that this will, like, if this is authentic, it is the right response irrespective of what I see, where it leads to, or what it does or doesn't do, because I will not know. But if I learn to listen to a more real, authentic voice and impulse in myself that is not coming from just survival mechanism, but my care for life, my, my willingness to take a stand can come from many different principles. To, to then trust that this is what life, God, however you want to call it, calls me to bring forth. And that it has a, a part in the larger orchestration that we cannot comprehend. Because how life unfolds, we cannot comprehend. And anytime we think we know, we're reducing it to something that we already had experienced before, but we don't know really. And so I think that's like a, an, an invitation I wanna, wanna share with, I wanna speak for myself, I wanna speak to you, but also for people that where so many people that have caring hearts and like are affected by the situation feel right now, like, so what, what can I do? And there is a, an internalized discouragement, I think that we all have, that if we don't see the immediate impact of something, that we then disqualify these impulses as something relevant or, or, or real. And I think that's, if that's actually the way we trap ourselves in the world, because then we are just repeating what we already know. We, we, we shrink the world to a place that we think we can control. And all the different crises that we are experiencing in the world right now, to my understanding, are invitations to enter a different stream, how we feel we can contribute to the world and that um, we're not in control. But what we can do is to follow what feels true and real and in that, I think one major element that is a principle is that we can learn to um, come back more together because our, and, and that's one, one thing that I find also very interesting that has a similarity now in the quality of the collective sphere that similar, was a bit similar to when, when Corona hit two years ago, that the first moment when these kind of survival mechanisms are kicking in, there is a sense of like shared solidarity also suddenly like, oh, now we all feel the same way. Oh, this is too much. This is an outrage or we all threatened or we need to all uh, stand together. And this is true in some way, but I think also it, it because we all saw with Corona, it did not last. It did not really bring us together. And I think that's very true about these kind of survival mechanisms they can create 
kind of a feeling of belonging, but it's not really a real connection. It sometimes can even be like a fake solidarity and a fake uh, feeling of like, oh, no, we're in together, but it comes from a threat and not from a feeling and we, we're really on the boat and I really can see you. And so the, the invitation, I think, is more to create connection that is not based on, on survival mechanisms only, but to take the effort to not isolate myself and think, what do I have to do, but to come into contact with other people, share, and not argue what's right, because nobody knows, um, most likely, but share how this is affecting us. And in that way, we get a chance to deepen what's really happening in me. And out of that, maybe new voices of impulses of movement can, can emerge. And these are like this kind of, uh, you know, like young sprouts that need a bit of care. Because if they're just breaking through the asphalt, <laughs> um, they're not a flowering tree yet. But uh, if taken care of, they can become a very strong force of a new life that wants to be born. Yeah. I think that's the first stream that comes up. Curious if you have any questions or responses. So one, one thing that it touches is, yeah, I really resonate with this invitation of what, what, is, what is a yet to be known response or response that we don't know yet. The place where this comes up for me the most is uh, like in the moments where this idea of around prepping comes up in me like this okay things are gonna get tough uh what can i do i need to do to be prepared um also knowing that if rough times come i'm probably in a privileged enough position that i will manage i will probably come through but it's really not satisfying for me to follow on that thread like there's something in me that's like is that what I want to contribute to? Like, and then of course, like there is a voice that's like, well, you can only be of real help when you're well resourced. And so that I think that's the true part around prepping is like, even maybe just knowing that if rough times come, there's something that you have prepared, uh, like, yeah there's also something good about it but it's like that's not where i want to put all my stakes <laughs> it's really not satisfying for me to be like yep now i'm ready for the rough times to come most people are gonna die but i'll probably be fine uh because i'm prepared it's just really really not of interest to me um yeah i, I say something to that already mm -hmm. Um, because it's very, it's very true the way you raise it, the question about this prepping and making sure I am surviving. And again, that's, it's a very, very powerful motif. And uh, 
this can be kicked into effect in, in all of us that we want to survive because that's how we we honor our own life. So of course we want to survive. Um, but if that becomes the sole motivation, exactly as you said, like, is that a good enough reason to be alive just to survive? And um, it's more like surviving is in service of something else. But if my life is in service of surviving, um, it's a good question to look what else is um, maybe more important. Because even if you do survive, um, what, what are you going to do then? You know, like, okay, everybody else died, died I made it, great. Um, <laughs> have fun. <laughs> um, and so that the, the question is exactly that. So which moves are coming out of the, the need to survive? Great and honor that. But what does that serve in the larger orientation of how I want to lead my life anyways? So in a way, it's, it's again, like every crisis, I keep saying again and again, brings us back to the fundamental, essential questions of meaning. Um, what is more powerful, more meaningful, more important than, than mere surviving? And it doesn't mean that I have to sacrifice my survival for that. That's not the meaning. Um, so there is something, and I think there is, there is an... Uh, like my perspective of preparing myself is to prepare myself to create the work on the resilience of my, my own nervous system and to create networks among people that I know will, um, that, any, that are good for me right now and they will be good in a moment of crisis. Because also if I make a distinction, this will be good for the crisis, but it's not so good right now. I'm, I think we're already a bit off because then you're already investing in the future that you actually hope to not experience. So I think the, the, the true preparation is if something is good for now in a, in a meaningful way and it is also good for a moment of crisis, then you're on track. And again, because we don't we don't even know what the crisis will be, because again, now we're preparing for a scenario of war. Two years ago, we were preparing for a scenario of uh, a pandemic. We have no clue what we will be needing to prepare for. You don't know. Like this will maybe calm down. Hopefully another thing will come up. I mean, climate is one thing that we know will come, <laughs> always come up, but also that we don't know. Like there's, there's it's uncertain. That's That's the world that we live in. And so preparation is what prepares you to meet life in the most um, kind of unknown unfolding of situations. And that you feel like you have more and more space that you can respond to life and not just be kicked into reactivity. And yeah, so that's a, that's a, important distinction what what is preparation for survival and what is preparation to to meet life whether it's beautiful or whether there is a crisis because somebody will always be in crisis anyway and sometimes it's closer and it's more actual sometimes it feels more more distant
another piece that I wanted to bring in is <clears throat> how incredibly challenging it can be to discern authentic impulses from patterns that I don't even know are my patterns. Um, like it's in the past few years, it's become, I've moved more and more away from any kind of <laughs> positive thinking about myself to just acknowledge I'm so biased and I'm so full of shit and patterns. And the more that I acknowledge that, the more vigilant I can be to really look like, is that an authentic response right now? Or is it just, for example, well, this is what the mainstream does, so I'll do the exact opposite, ha. Because this is something that I see in a lot of subcultures. It's like priding yourself in doing things differently, but it's like, I mean, it, it can just be the flip side of what everyone else is doing. It just looks different on the outside, but in the end, like how much more authentic is it really? So, Yeah, I think really seeing what supports me becoming more self-aware, like what kind of support um, does that require from the outside? I mean, those are really potent resources, people in your life who can help you see more clearly what are your patterns and what is an authentic impulse. Like that is, yeah, I'd say equally important as like making sure that you have enough water and uh, food stored. Exactly. Yeah, that's the that's the equivalent of the life bunker um, in a kind of social understanding of life. Because again, survival. Then we 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 look at it as an individual, but that's not how life looks at survival. We're, we're a species and um, we're interconnected. So of course there's a very strong relevance of personal safety but uh, and resilience, but it's uh, the resilience really gets strengthened by strengthening the, the networking, the connections, not just this person and this person needs to be strong. Strength is coming from the interconnection between these persons that are based on true principles of, of honesty, of authenticity, of um, also talking to like giving each other clear feedback, just as you said, and being guided by higher principles than just personal well-being. And it's very true, like it's a very demanding work in a way to become more clear where we are not clear because the, the, uh, the capacity to deceive ourselves in thinking that this is an authentic impulse, what I'm having right now, and this is um, coming from a place of freedom within myself is huge. It's absolutely huge. And it can be quite disheartening to notice like, uh, nope. And this is not coming from a place of freedom. This is coming from a place of pride. This is coming from a place of fear. This is coming from a place of like not wanting to stick my head out and wanting to belong. 
Um, this is coming from a place that needs to be a rebel and cannot accept anything that anybody else has already said. So there is a multitude of, of ways how we kind of tell ourselves pretty stories about why we're choosing what we're choosing, but to really go to the core and understand why I'm choosing what I'm saying, doing, not doing is, is pretty hardcore. But it's also super liberating because that's where we're where more and more true freedom and capacity to make choices are, are being liberated. And these, as I said, these heavy weights in the ring, they're, they're heavy weights, you know? This is like years and years and then thousands of years of human evolution and survival. And so they've been strengthened. It's not just your thing. They actually have very little to do with you. When they decide you're not really, you're not making a decision, you're direct along with the decision that has been done <laughs> for for thousands of years and then you say like yeah yeah it's my it's what i want that's that's what i it's what i decided right now so you have the courage to look that into the face and say like i don't actually know what do i want so the the, the search for the authentic impulse often starts with i don't know and this is I think the most important element in that is to allow that moment of, I don't know, the scary perception of like, I don't have an impulse, but I should be having one. So back you are with those kind of um, mind games. Um, and to, to tolerate the discomfort um, of not knowing, that's why every meditation practice is, challenging often there again and again because it brings us to a place of like you're not in control you don't know and um you don't know how to or like like you're, you're forced to to see where your control grabs try to grasp empty air and not is not relating to reality but to projected images again and again and like there's a lot we can do with ourselves. And as you said, um, it's practically impossible to get really clear on these things just by myself, because I will not see the majority of things that I'm doing. I only get to see them in relation with other people and especially with people that can give me um, more clear feedback. But that also means that people have done their work themselves or at least are attempting to do that work themselves otherwise we just reinforce our own patterns and telling us that's very great and the right so <laughs> the right choices we're making together so there's the, again there's this kind of like fake um solidarity that is very can be very dangerous because it creates that kind of feeling of like yeah we're all on the same boat um but we're just running from we're just moved by the same survival mechanisms in the moment and if it's powerful because when we feel threatened we need to find something that that makes us feel more powerful so in a nutshell in the work um, is the contribution to peace in the world or to the possibility of creating more, more, more peace because we are less reactive and more responsive to situations. 
and there was often an argument of like yeah doing inner work but not doing real activism in the work in the world outside like that's just narcissism and it's just looking at yourself and trying to make yourself more comfortable and that can be if it's not done with the umbrella of understanding that I'm part of a network if I just want to make myself more comfortable but if I understand that my contribution contribution to the network that I'm in and the world that I'm in is to become clearer as myself so I'm not just moved by um, survival mechanisms and by my trauma and my, my wounds but more and more become a node in a network that has more pulsation of freedom or, or like informed choice this is a very strong contribution and again it might not look like a linear contribution that i see the effects of it immediately but like in a network the node's not so occupied with i hope everybody sees that i'm doing something great satisfaction comes from being the best possibility that the highest possibility in that network like life is flowing through me more fluidly and not i'm just signals coming in i'm distorting them and sending them in a distorted way further on but become a fluid informing station in the wider network of of of, of, of living of all living things and that's again that's challenging to our sense of our individuality um because i have to surrender to a flow that flows through me and not i'm i'm creating the flow around me but it's also way more liberating and um yeah feeling grace in the world even though there's a lot of tragedy and pain and all of this but that's how the world is. One more piece that, that came up now while you were speaking is the thought I've had repeatedly over the past years. Somehow this, I don't know, intuition thought that the people that have been struggling for the past whatever 10 15 years who where life has continually thrown them towards looking at themselves and becoming more clear internally and working through their trauma like people who've really struggled and suffered and i'd say yeah there were a couple of years in my life where i'd say i was in this place like just constantly having to not really having capacity to do anything else than to just process uh, inner stuff that came up. It's like this question or this, this intuition that those people who have not been thriving incredibly for the past 10, 15 years, like they might be the most well-prepared for the times ahead because it's likely that like if, if you internally like notice how much chaos there is and how much stuff there is to work through and um how much uncertainty there is 
like wondering if that prepares one more for when that also shows up very clearly for everyone in the outside world. Like wondering if there's almost like a <laughs> evolutionary intelligence <laughs> of life, <laughs> like making a, a subgroup of people struggle. We're, you know, we're in a world where for most people it probably doesn't yet make sense that they're struggling so badly. It just it just looks like they're neurotic, they're too sensitive, they're uh, they're too privileged, and they just have uh, you know they just have nothing important to focus on. So that you know they're just facing their own shit. But yeah, just wondering like are those people gonna be in a more resourced place because they've already gone through certain processes that I imagine more and more people will have to face. Yeah, it's an interesting thought and uh, way of looking at it. And I think there is definitely truth to it. Of course, if you have faced and weathered storms within yourself and you know how disorienting it can be, and but you have gone through or are still going through and have learned the humbling lessons of like, life's not, in, you're not in control of life. Of course, there is a there is an element of preparation for also a crisis that is happening on the outside. And it's often people that have gone through very challenging personal things that become the resources for other people going through that in a later time, because you kind of like embodied that already in some way. I, I wouldn't go to say that it's like intentional. I mean, I don't know, but it's like maybe a bit of a, a nicer kind of story that we, we might want to tell ourselves and maybe it's like this but again it's always very difficult to to put the finger on intentions of life because then we place ourselves into the seat of the creator and say like this is because of that and that's why i wanted this and <laughs> again we're reducing complexity of life that we cannot comprehend uh that in all in all traditions also in wisdom traditions there's a place for the human and there's a place for God, God referencing that which is beyond our human capacity to comprehend and many other things. And if we leave the place of the human and try to be God-like, we create more mess for ourselves because the right relationship to that is that I don't know. I don't know. Like, and again, that's so interesting because then like in a conflict like now, or in a crisis, we tend to think, I know how this goes, this will happen again, but then we are not in connected to the, to the creative force of life, which we don't know. Creation means like, I don't know what will be emerging, being birthed and how evolution will look like. Then it's not evolution, it's just like changing a bit the, the, the structure from what I know to something different. Like you, you, you have a, um, like a, a toy with some um, building blocks like children's toys and you, you you change the structure a bit or evolution is like that it becomes a whole like the building blocks are changing it becomes a new form and a new substance that altogether is different so we could think like yeah this we we know how this will go and then that it's true and then there is no evolution happening which 
often doesn't happen. Or if we become agents of like, mm, I don't know. So let me listen, but not disappear from being engaged. But let me listen to the more subtle voice that wants to come through and honor that this is the way life wants to unfold. Like, because where, where, where else is it happening? It's not like, yeah, I'm just a human being and evolution is for other people. Somebody else, the politicians or the geniuses of the world, they should come up with something. Why? Like, we're all expressions of life. Life wants to unfold. And we all contribute our part to it. And there is no real copyright structure of like who came up with this idea we don't know it's just maybe one person then speaks it out and then uh, turns it into something and we say he invented that but we don't know maybe thousands of people had a similar kind of feeling about something maybe started to have a conversation about it but didn't really follow it through and then suddenly somebody picks it up and now we see that one person it's like and like with a mushroom network, the mycelium, like then you see one mushroom breaking through the ground. And it's like, oh wow, he this mushroom is there. But what you didn't see was that there was a there is a huge network of information spanning entire forests under under the earth. And this becomes an expression that you then can pick up. But there's a lot been going on underneath and i think it's not so dissimilar to how evolution happens also in the in the human network so let's find a way to honor that which moves us and we can never be entirely 100% clean to say like okay now i'm clean now i can follow my impulses that doesn't work like that but I can use the, the impulses to clear myself while I'm, I'm in the process of life. Because otherwise I have like people this I, I hear often, I was like, yeah, I'm not, maybe I'm not clear enough yet and I'm not integrated. I need to do all this work until then I can do something. And sometimes that's an important phase that needs to happen. But we can also like, we're in life, we cannot just wait and then do life. We're in life. We need to reinvent ourselves while we are alive. So, and now, like, follow my impulses, bring them into connection, see what happens, and then um, reflect on that again, and then see what's the next, the next impulse, and that clarifies or clears life. And um, so, let's 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 honor and give space within myself but also together like create rituals places groups meetings um shared spaces where where this can be trained to unfold more and that ideally we would learn that the most wisdom we generate is by coming together and that it's not like who had the great idea now it doesn't really matter who spoke what it, it doesn't matter but there's a capacity that brings together impulses they form a new 
idea or a new coherence around something that hasn't been there before. And then somebody will feel the, the authentic call to pick that up and translate it into movement. And it's not that that person then had the idea, but this is just the role that person then plays. There's people's role that seed information and speak the unimaginable, but they're not the ones that will have the role of translating that into action. It would be in an orchestra, like everybody needs to play the solo trumpet or everybody needs to be the, the, the guy on the bass or everybody needs to be the conductor. That's not what makes uh, an orchestra really cool. It makes the, the coherence of a touching orchestration comes from everybody playing exactly its role. And maybe the guy on the triangle hits in a two hour piece, one time the triangle, that's it. So is he part of the, the, the symphony or not? He was like, yeah, but what's the use of this? Just one time, like, pff, I better go home, let the others do it. It's missing. So, and I, yeah, this is a, a rewiring of how we see the contribution to life and our impact in the world. And, um, and I think it can create a really more beautiful world that also creates more dignity to the way we experience ourselves as meaningful contributors to life and as life. I have Charles Eisenstein's words in my ears. I think he says something like, Everyone talks about the great contribution of Martin Luther King, but no one talks about his grandmother who was there for him and um, helped him become the man that he then became. This is, for example, very true when you're listening also to or you read through stories of, of, of the great people and the great innovations in science, psychology, whatever, like the great breakthroughs, philosophers, when you look a bit more clearly into their life stories, you will always see it was not just them sitting in a, in a dark room thinking over life and suddenly the lightning strikes and then they wrote something down that was completely genius that nobody had ever thought before and then it was there. It's always way more interconnected. They had circles of friends. There were other people that they actually worked on thoughts that had come before. And sometimes it's just sheer luck and fate that it could have been the other guy that they were closely collaborating. And suddenly that guy didn't get the recognition and this one went forward with it or whatever. Or it was more like a, a shared uh, story that was like cooking at a certain time. And then we have this tendency to wanting to find out who's the one. Um, and that's, of course, that's our, the story of our individual times and that we give copyrights and names and that like this guy is the inventor and founder of da, da, da. And there is something also important to be recognized often in these people. But I think for the next step in, in humanity, um, we need to move from that individual copyright um, mindset and worldview to shared collaboration and authentic roles that display the individual genius of everybody but we, we don't create hierarchies of, of 
of value of, of like distinct value between the roles where everybody is recognized and also gets reflection of how they're contributing or not contributing. And I always say like also in groups, that's a place where we can um, in a way uh, explore this, this, this reality in, in, a, in a more uh, coherent setting where you start to notice like everybody participates and everybody contributes. And your feeling of not contribution is your contribution then. That's how you feed into that system that we then call the group or the group atmosphere or the, the shared experience. So there is no way of not participating. It doesn't exist. Your sense of like, I'm not important, then becomes <laughs> the way you actually participate. That's what you feed into it. And when we start to like, but it's, we're often so, absorbed by these stories by the the identity of like that's how it is i'm not important everybody else is doing something more important or i need to do the most important thing here because nobody else gets what's going on here and if i don't do it the world's going to be is like doomed so millions of different expressions of these kind of distortions we have um but so and we also need to get feedback mostly about hey this is your pattern that you feel you live in but that's not the real story here and to to widen that space and see like oh wow because then it kicks in also the um i think the inherent sense that we all want to care for life we, we all want that we're here we want to survive and we want to care for life and when i start to see like yeah i have actually agency i have contribution i'm, I'm part I'm, I'm 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 doing something here then it, it naturally creates that sense of like then i want to become a better contributor i want to create more of what i actually want to see in the world and not just get pissed because everybody else is not doing what i think they should be doing and blah blah and like the world anyway and the politicians and this and this we're, we're all in it we're all in this war right now we have our our chips um, on the on the game board. We don't know, but our life energy feeds into these systems. We're not outside of any system, never. So it's a bit of a radical new way of looking at life, um, but I think that's the one that will give us new opportunities to, yeah. To let more evolution come through and more 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 future to happen really thank you for listening to the integral being podcast to learn more about my work go to integralbeing.at and i hope to see you there